Hi, welcome to Living Water Bible Fellowship's audio sermons. It's our prayer and hope that you'll be encouraged and uplifted by the preaching of God's Word. Stick around after the message to hear more about how to contact us. Well, amen. How's your, uh, how's your summer going so far? Doing okay? <laughs> you making it? The first service was tough. Everybody was so tired. I was tired. It was hard to preach. But I'm sure I'm going to hear some amens during this service to keep me awake. Amen. <laughs> awesome. Euclides, great, great to see you. Glad you're here. Uh, keep playing, praying for Euclides here that she continue to get better and better. And uh, a lot of struggles, a lot of things going on in our congregation. But uh, we'll keep praying, keep loving each other. We'll, uh, we'll make it through. Uh, we uh, are moving into a time right now, or the next month, we're going to have a lot of outreach. A lot of things that we're doing in the community, starting uh, tomorrow with Eagle Lake Camp. Do you guys got to cheer or something? Is there... <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll come at the end of the service. You'll be ready with a cheer, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but, you know, outreach, why, why do we go to the problem of trying to share the gospel with people? Uh, we're going to have the Global Leadership Summit uh, for our community, and that's just a, a bridge to the community that they might hear the gospel. And then in a few weeks, we're going to have Vacation Bible School. And so these things, they're all about reaching out. But why do we do these things? Why, why, do, we, why do we care to go and, and all the money it takes and all the time it takes and all the energy it takes to try to care for people and love people and share the gospel with people? We, we, you know, that question is a huge question. There's, there's different ways to go about it. But as we're going to see in our text today, we uh, get busy sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ because we know that the world, as we know it, is coming to an end. The world, as we know it, is not going to stay the same forever. God has told us again and again, especially in this Daniel sermon series, that the kingdom of God is coming. The kingdom of God is going to... Remove all the kingdoms of humanity. Remove all the worldly powers one day, and then God's kingdom will be here forever. The question is, how soon? And, and that's the question we don't know. Today we come to one of the most famous prophecies in the Old Testament about the timing of these things and the, the discussion of when this is going to happen. Uh, you know, the, the clock is ticking in, in some sense. We don't know when, when the Lord's going to say, it's done. But until that time, as a church, as a people, we've got to remember to go. We've got to remember to reach out. We've got to remember to share the gospel because the time is short. We've got to get as many people as we can into the kingdom. And, and of course, the Lord does the work. He does the heavy lifting. He went to the cross. But we, as His people, have been sent. You know, these, these counselors coming from their different places, they've been sent to our church to share the gospel with our children. The VBS servants who are going to reach out to the kids in this community, they've been sent with the gospel. We've been sent in the name of Jesus Christ because the world as we know it is coming to an end. A new age is coming. A, a new day is dawning. The future looks bright for those who know Jesus Christ. We need to get the word out, the beautiful and glorious word of Jesus Christ. And so we have an Old Testament text today. If you turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 9, 
Daniel chapter 9. And uh, we're, we're going to be picking up where we left off last week with this text. God's heart for this world. What, what is he doing? Daniel chapter 9, verse 20. Daniel chapter 9, verse 20. Is there a timeline? Is there a clock? Is the day coming, coming near? We need to be ready. Daniel chapter 9, verse 20. While I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin in the sight of my people Israel, presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God. Uh, so, so Daniel, uh, he's, he's been praying for Jerusalem. Jerusalem's been destroyed. This is about 538 B.C., about, about 586 B.C. Jerusalem was destroyed. The temple was destroyed. And Daniel's re been reading Jeremiah's prophecies of the 70 years. It's about the 67th, 68 year. He knows that the time is short for his people to go back to Jerusalem. And so he's praying, confessing sins passionately and zealously. He's praying for the holy hill, meaning Jerusalem, and for the people to be restored. So he's saying, while I was doing that, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, Oh, Daniel... I've now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out. And I have come to tell you, tell you it now, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. And pause there for a moment. So last week we went into prayer. What is prayer? You know, Daniel, Daniel prayed the word of God. He read the word of God. He prayed back the word of God to the Lord. He, he understood from Scripture God's desire for confession, so he confessed his sins. We talked last week about adoration, giving God praise, you know, confessing sins, thanking God, providing supplications, prayers to God, pleads for mercy, petition to God. We, we, we talked about how God loves to hear that. But the wild thing about last week was Daniel knew the prophecy. He knew the word of God. And that's when he started to pray. Once he found out what the will of God was, that's when he started to pray passionately and zealously for the word to come true. And, uh, and so, so here he's, he's been praying. And in verse 21, he says about the holy hill of God. He's been praying for Jerusalem. But notice in verse 21, while I was speaking in prayer. Okay, so he's praying. In the midst of his prayer, an angel shows up, the angel Gabriel. Uh, he came during the evening sacrifice. Now, I just want to draw your attention to that. Uh, the temple was destroyed in 586 B.C. Daniel was taken out of, of Jerusalem in about 605 B.C. So he, he was taken when he was about 15 years old. So right now, he, you know, he's, he's uh, what, 80, 85 years old, something like that. Before the temple was destroyed, every day at the temple, they'd have morning and evening sacrifices. And so it ended about 586 B.C. when the temple was destroyed. But now this old man, old from the world's eyes, but young at heart, praise God. Young at heart, he continues to praise. He continues to seek God. He continues to, at the same time when he was a boy. You know, some of you parents, you teach your kids, you'll, you wonder if it's going to stick with them. We don't know Daniel's prayer patterns, but it started when he was a youth. When he was a young man, when he was a boy, he started praying during the evening sacrifice about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. For decades, he's been praying the same way, even though there's no evening sacrifice anymore. Because, you know, that was, that was, he read that in the law, and it warmed his heart. He got in that pattern. And so he's been praying, praying, praying. And, and what happens in the midst of his speaking of his prayer? God answers. 
Okay? Now, I, I, I do need to take advantage of this. Sometimes we feel like we have to pray silently. I think Daniel prayed out loud. Sometimes we feel like we have to get down on our knees and pray. You know, that's what Daniel did in chapter 6. Uh, sometimes we feel like we have to get out. We, we can stand up. Daniel prayed three times a day. You can pray seven times a day. You can pray one time a day. You can pray hundreds of times a day. My point is, the scriptures give us all kinds of models, different modes and mechanisms and styles of prayer. The way Daniel did it, you don't have to do that. You can take prompting from him, but you can learn, you can learn from him. But prayer is what matters. Our relationship with God, our, our coming before the Lord and meeting with him in prayer, listening to God, confessing sin, seeking his face. That's what the beautiful message that comes from Daniel. He was a man of prayer. That's why it says he was highly esteemed, or in this translation, he was greatly loved. He took his relationship with God seriously, and heaven appreciated it. But notice he, he comes and, and, and he, he, he's praying he's, and, he, and he's, he's interrupted like he's praying and this angel shows up. In verse 22, he, uh, he, he made me understand speaking with me and saying, Oh, Daniel, I've now come to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleads for mercy, a word went out. And, and I just got to say, some of you wonder if God hears your prayers. You know, Daniel, from the beginning of his prayer, from the beginning of his pleading, from the beginning of his pleads for mercy to heaven, God heard. And immediately, God answered. And, and I just look at that, and sometimes you wonder if God's hearing your prayers. He does hear your prayers. Every one of your prayers. Now, sometimes he might say no. No, I can't answer that prayer right now. That's maybe not the best prayer in the world to answer. Or maybe he says, not yet. This timing isn't right. Sometimes he says, yes. We, we put our petitions before the Lord. We seek God's face. We ask for healing. We ask for hope. We ask for help. Right? But sometimes God's timing is better than ours. He knows what he's doing. But he also listens to our prayers and he hears our prayers. Praise God. Praise God for that. So you guys, keep praying. Keep seeking the Lord's face. Keep pursuing your God. Keep being in, put, putting yourself in the presence of God and sharing your heart and sh sharing your life with Him. That's what Daniel did. And, and man, Daniel, if you, if you go back and read chapter 9, he prayed uh, for a season. He prayed passionately and zealously. And the angel says, man, at the beginning that you started praying, God's word went out and here I am. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Uh, what we're going to get into here is, is a, a, a bigger answer that, that, that Daniel expected. Okay, a bigger answer. He was praying for the 70 years to come true. At the end of 70 years, he was hoping that Jeremiah's prophecy would come true and the Jerusalem people would be able to go, the Judites would be able to go home to Jerusalem. And guess what? That prayer was answered. Cyrus, the Persian emperor, in, in 538 BC, he said, Jerusalem, Judites, you can go home. Okay, not many of them took, took him up on that. Only about 40,000 of the exiles returned. Nevertheless, Daniel's prayer was answered. So here, as we, as we move forward on this, we realize that Gabriel is giving an answer, a, a, a revelation that is it's bigger fish to fry. God, God is, is bringing a prophecy to Daniel that even affects us to this day. Now the question is, how much has it been fulfilled and how much is yet to be fulfilled? So look at verse 24, please. Verse 24. Seventy weeks. That sounds like a movie title. 
Seventy weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and prophets, to anoint a most holy place. Know, therefore, and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks. Then for sixty-two weeks it shall be built again with squares and a moat, but in troubled time. And after the sixty-two weeks an anointed one shall be cut off and, and shall have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Its end shall come with a flood, and to the end there shall be war. Desolations are decreed. And he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week. For a half week he shall put on an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations shall come one who's makes, who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. Ooh. Again, one of the most famous Old Testament prophecies. Books have been written about this. Movies have been made about this. Songs have been written about this. It's captured the imagination of the Protestant church especially, especially the evangelical churches over the last uh, uh, hundred years or so. It's, it's just really been a, a, a prophecy of word that has been part of our culture and part of our society in the United States of America. And so we, we look at this and, and we, we, let, let's unpack it a little bit. Uh, you guys are, are, are ben gonna benefit from the first service. Uh, I tried to do some, some gymnastics with this text or try to, try to go too deep and it, 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 was, it was hard for people to grasp. So I'm gonna keep it simple. Okay, I'm gonna keep it direct here, but let, let me explain what, what's happening. Uh, Seventy weeks are decreed about your people in your holy city. Who's he talking to? He's talking, Gabriel's talking about your people, your city, the, the Jewish people, and Jerusalem. So 70 weeks, 70 weeks, a clock has started. 70 weeks, something's going to happen. What's going to happen at the end of 70 weeks? And do we take 70 weeks literally, or is it a symbolic number? Questions we, we need to ask. But what's going to happen after 70 weeks? Look at the 24 again. Uh, to your people in your holy city, to what? To finish transgression. To bring to end rebellion. To finish transgression. That sounds like an impressive thing. How many times in my life have I rebelled against God? I've rejected His ways, refused to do what He said. How many times have you rebelled against God? How many times have you not done what God has said? He's saying at the end of this time, transgression will be no more. And then the next phrase there, to put an end to sin. Hey, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> I'd like to stop sinning. You know, I'd like to stop dealing with the consequences of sin. I'd like to stop seeing people hurt each other because of sin. He's saying at the end of the seven, seven weeks, uh, 70 weeks, sin will be ended. It'll be complete. It'll be finished. Wow. That sounds like, like heaven stuff. Right? That sounds like kingdom of God stuff. Then he says, to atone for iniquity. Some of your translations say to atone for wickedness. Yeah. Atonement. Uh, atonement is a covering. To, to atone for something is to cover with sacrifice. And so uh, the Old Testament, of course, Daniel was aware of sacrifices. He maybe before he left uh, was taken by the Babylonians to be a slave in Babylon. Maybe he remembered going to the temple and, and the family giving sacrifices for their sins. A covering for their wickedness. They, they gave the sacrifice to the priest. The priest slaughtered the animal, cut its throat, poured out its blood. Their sins were covered. 
This prophecy is saying that one, at one point in the future, after 70 weeks, sin will be atoned for. Sin will be covered. You won't have to face the wrath of God. That sounds pretty good. And then, those, those three kind of negative things towards sin, they transition into what? Into, into you know, positive kind of pictures. The next phrase in verse 24, to bring in everlasting righteousness. Everlasting righteousness. Man, you could put a song to that, right? Righteousness, right standing with God, in, in right relationship with God, but in an everlasting way. Man, if you're in Jesus Christ, it means that you've been brought in by the blood of the Lamb, by Jesus' sacrifice. You've been brought into right relationship with God. Praise God. That's this whole service, we celebrated that. The mighty works of God, the goodness of God, of Him becoming a sacrifice for us to make us righteous, to justify us in the sight of God. Man, to, to bridge the gap, to reconcile us to God. Man, what a wonderful thing Jesus has done. But the prophecy here says after 70 weeks, everlasting righteousness for all of God's people. And then it says, to seal both vision and profit. I mean, you seal something up, you close it, right? And so he's talking about, he's pr predicting, he's prophesying. The word of God has come from Gabriel to Daniel and saying, man, there's coming after 70 weeks an end to prophecy. An end to any, any revelation from on high. No more need for visions, no more need for prophets because everything will be finished. As the theme is here, uh, we're going to be with God, is what, what he's saying. If you're, if you're present with God, you don't need someone else to tell you about God because you're with God. This again, a picture of the kingdom of God in its fullness, in its completeness, a vision of what we call heaven. Okay. Uh, and to anoint a most holy place. Now this one, I had to study this one a little bit to see, what's he talking about? Uh, uh, if you've ever read the book of Ezekiel, uh, I don't know if, you, if you've read that book or not, but the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, in chapters 40 through 44 of Ezekiel, he wrote about a, a future temple that's going to be built. A massive, incredible temple that's never been built. And so some expect that there will be a new temple built, maybe during what we call the Millennial Kingdom. And uh, the, the God will be there and he'll anoint it. Or the, the other interpretation of this is, you know how Eden, if you look at the Garden of Eden, you read through Genesis, you know how God is with his people, he's present with them. And, and what is Eden? Eden, in some, some ways of describing it, is a temple, a place of God's presence where people can meet with God. Then you go to the end of the story, you go to the end of the book of Revelation, what do you see there? You see God with his people, a new temple, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. A place with God will be with his people, a temple-like thing, a temple-like place. And, and there's so many, so many threads there, so many rabbits we could chase. But the picture is, after the end of 70 weeks, the kingdom of God will be fully present. God will be fully present with his people. No more sin, but, but instead righteousness. And if there's no more sin and there's righteousness, there's joy and peace. The relationship with God just filled with love and happiness. And what, what a grand vision. What an awesome vision that the Bible gives us about the future. And so it's just really neat how in Daniel 9, is speaking of things we often see in the New Testament about the coming kingdom. So, uh, what, what's 70 weeks, though? What, what about this 70? Well, let's, let's just read a little bit farther. Verse 25. 
Know, therefore, and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem, so there's a marker, maybe the beginning of the 70 weeks, to the coming of an anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks, then for 62 weeks it shall be built again with squares and a moat, but in troubled times. And after the 62 weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. Now, one of the, the things that struggle, I struggled with in first service was the language of the ESV here is not very clear. It's a, it's a literal translation, and it's hard to get it. But what, what it's saying, from the decree that goes out to the coming of the anointed one, there's uh, seven sevens and 62 sevens, okay? So 69 sevens. Woo! Let's go home. We got, that, that's good, right? To the anointed one. And so, but the question is, of course, what is a seven? <laughs> seven days, seven weeks, seven months, seven years. And there's 70 of them, okay? Uh, so studying this and, and, and kind of doing a broad read of, of uh, people through the ages, almost universally, uh, people understand this, that a seven is seven years, a period of seven years. If it's seven days, if it's seven weeks, if it's seven months, it just doesn't work in the context, okay? So we have a seven-year seven time frame. And so the first verse in verse 24, the ESV says, uh, it, it says 70, 70 weeks. Uh, other translations bring it out, 70 sevens. 70, and some of your maybe more, uh, um, some of your translation might say 70 times seven. Okay, so, so what are we talking about? So it's 70 weeks, or 70 sevens. Uh, if it's a literal number, that's 490 years. Okay? If it's a symbolic number, it's not. <laughs> okay? And that's, that's where it kind of gets deep. You get into the weeds a little bit. So, uh, boy, church uh, believers through the centuries, different denominations, different eschatologies, different ways of understanding the times of the ends, uh, they, they, they've looked at this differently. Some say, yeah, it's, it's, it's a symbolic number, no doubt about it. And praise God, they, they might be right. And we know that, that this symbolism can be a real thing because remember when, when Jesus was talking to his disciples, and, and I think it was Peter, he said, hey, Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times? Right? He was like, man, I'm being real generous with seven times of forgiving somebody. And Jesus says, no, how about we do it 77 times or 70 times seven? His point was, Peter, don't be a legalist. You know, you're calling to forgive someone who hurts you. It's, it's unlimited, just like my forgiveness of you, God's forgiveness of you. It's unlimited. So there's a symbolic use of 70 times seven in Matthew chapter 18 if you want to look that up. And so it could very well be a symbolic number. And, and boy, you, you start doing the math here, uh, it, it very well could be. It, because this prophecy, uh, uh, it starts Daniel's time frame. He's about 538 B.C. But the question, the, the question becomes our marker of when the 70 weeks starts is a, is a very fascinating one. But no matter how you do it, a literal 490, day, 490 years doesn't work without some gaps, without some time added in between. And, and I'll, hopefully I'll be able to explain that a little bit more. But so our marker starts. Y'all, is this, is this like, do you want me to stop now or should I keep going? <laughs> this, this kind of stuff, I know some people are like, oh, just when's noon coming? Oh. So love you guys. Uh, thank you for, for uh, bearing with me in this because this is Bible geek stuff, no doubt about it. 
<laughs> so, so the marker is, okay, from the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of anointed, to anointed one. So, okay, so the, the, the decree, okay, that goes out, is that God's decree? Is that a, a prophet's decree? Is that a king's decree? Okay, uh, some in church history have thought God uh, decreed something like in 605 B.C. or, or 586 B.C. Uh, again, I, I'm going to defer and say that throughout church history, most people, at least that I'm aware of, they, they look at it as, as a king's decree. Okay, because so, it's something that people can hear about or read about or something in their culture, in their society. So when you start thinking about the king's decrees, uh, there's several in Scripture. Uh, 586 B.C. Uh, is one. Uh, 521, B, uh, 521 B.C. Um, 5, 530, 538 B.C. Cyrus, they gave a decree that, that the Jewish people could go home. 458 B.C., uh, uh, Artaxerxes, he told Ezra he could go home. He could, you could read about that in Ezra chapter 7. Uh, Artaxerxes in, in 445 B.C., he told Nehemiah he could go home and start building. You can read about that in Nehemiah chapter 2. Uh, there's just so many, different, so many different places we could start. Okay, but it's probably a king's decree. And so depending on how you interpret these things, figuratively or literally... You know, as you start doing the math, it kind of gets fun, you know. And so, I, 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 boy, in first service, I started telling about a bunch of different theories. And I could just see the people's eyes glaze over. And uh, I'm not going to do that to you. So let me give you one theory that I really like. And then I got confused, so I'm not going to do that to you either. Um, so let me give you one, one theory that I, I really like. Um, because it's, it's on the more literal end of things. The decree to Ezra went out in 458 B.C. Uh, the decree uh, said, you know, gave him a lot of money, gave him a lot of power. The, the king said, you can go home and, and rebuild. It didn't say it literally rebuild, but it's understood there. The temple needed to be rebuilt and different things were, were, were falling apart. So from that marker, if we take 458 B.C., and we read uh, Daniel's prophecy, the Gabriel's prophecy to Daniel, his word to Daniel. From and again, I'm sorry if, if this is just like oh, kind of thing, but let, let, let's be nerds and let's try it. From 458 BC, if you do one seven, okay, you say that's a literal 49 years. 458 BC to 409 BC, okay. 49 years, and the decree was from the, the building of the decree to rebuild the temple, rebuild Jerusalem. So maybe it divides it up into seven sevens, right? Seven sevens, because at 409, maybe a lot of the rebuilding was completed. But then 62 sevens is supposed to start. 62 sevens is supposed to start. So that's 434 years. 434 years. So from 458 to 409, so uh, then there's 434 years. 409 BC, 434 years brings us to AD 26. Okay, what, what happened in, in the 26th year of our Lord? Uh, that was the year that Jesus was baptized. That's the year that he was anointed by the Spirit. Now you're saying, but our calendar, like, I thought Jesus was 30 years old when he was baptized. Yeah, our calendars kind of got messed up. <laughs> the, the, the monk that did our calendars, he was off. Because Jesus was probably born between 6 B.C. and 4 B.C. 
Okay? Uh, because we know this, because Jesus was still alive. The Gospels tell us he was still alive during King Herod's reign. Remember when King Herod sent out the warriors to kill the babies in Bethlehem? Okay? Um, so uh, King Herod's still alive. And so it's probably 4 BC that Jesus is born. So he's 26 AD is when he's anointed. And so I, I really like that because the 69 sevens, the 483 years, it lines right up with the year that Jesus was baptized when he started his public ministry. And it's just kind of a sweet, sweet picture of fulfilled prophecy. How God, God's word from so long ago, from the 6th century BC, came true um, 600 years later. And so uh, that, that's the start, but, uh, you know, then we, get, then we get into the weeds a little bit. <laughs> okay, so this buildup of squares and a moat, some people think that's talking about the walls. They had a, a, a place there where the, the ground would go down before the walls, but that's, that's again, more, my, more Bible detail stuff, geek stuff. Uh, but then 26, and after the 62 weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. An anointed one could be a prophet, a priest, or a king. Uh, a ruler is is a is a is a is a prince kind of a thing. So we, you know, this this is speaking about our Jesus. Our Jesus came and our Jesus was cut off. He had nothing. As as Isaiah fifty three, you can read Isaiah fifty three verse eight, and read about how he was cut off and he had nothing. Okay, and so we we have this this great kind of picture. He he's cut off and he has is nothing. And then what happens? And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. This happened in AD 70. Uh, AD 66, the, the Romans got upset with the, the Jewish people. The Jewish people rebelled against the Roman rule. And they sent the general Titus into Jerusalem and they set up siege works. And by AD 70, they had destroyed, absolutely destroyed Jerusalem. Um, uh, just wiped it out completely. And Israel ceased being a nation for, for many centuries after that. And uh, just terrible things. Uh, its end shall come with a flood. Like it was such a powerful, overwhelming destruction of Jerusalem. Compares it to a flood. And the end there should be war. Desolations are decreed. So verse 26 is, is there, there's so many layers here. And the people of the prince who is to come. Okay, the people of the prince who is to come. Who are the people that destroyed Jerusalem? Literally, it was the Roman army that destroyed Jerusalem. Okay, the Roman army destroyed Jerusalem. Uh, some in church history have looked at the people of the prince. Jesus is the prince, and so the Jewish people destroyed Jerusalem through the rebellion, through the rejection of Jesus as the Messiah. That's one interpretation. But I'm taking the route here that the people of the prince to come are the Roman people who destroyed the city, and the prince is not the it's a different ruler. It's a different authority. It's a different leader. Okay? And so we, we read about some of these things when we were in Daniel chapter 7. You can write down Daniel chapter 7, verses 25 uh, through 27, about this, this, uh, this, li this little horn that arose and this, this, this king that arose that, that did great destruction and... Um, the, as a prophecy kind of thing. But, but here, the, peop, the people of the prince who has come. So I'm taking the prince along the lines of a future ruler who's going to come. A future a man of lawlessness. A future what we call an antichrist. And this isn't, I don't know if I've got this on the slides or not, Sandra, but just if you turn to 2 Thessalonians, just to show you quickly what I'm talking about. 2 Thessalonians 
Uh, chapter 2, look, look at verse 1 with me, please. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Now concerning the, the coming, chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians, verse 1. Now concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to Him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit of a spoken word or letter seeming to come from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. So some people were afraid that the day of the Lord had come. And, and the, the apostle sets them straight. It had not. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object to worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? You know that the, that the restraint, what is restraining him now, so they may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, only now he restrains it, will we'll do so until he is out of the way. Then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. That's who I think is being talked about in Daniel chapter 7, or Daniel chapter 9, verse 26. So the prince will come, he's going to, um, uh, the people of prince, who's going to come, uh, so that his people destroy Jerusalem in 70 AD. Okay, now here's where we get to the numbers again. Okay, I said 400. If we're going to take this literal approach, all right, we've already taken care of 483 years. Okay, now we come to Jesus' time. And then now we've gone through Pentecost. The Spirit has come. Now we've gone through AD 70, right? And so years are passing by. Where's the last seven? Okay, and apparently if this literal interpretation is true, there needs to be a gap in time. A space in time because it's not sequential. Okay, we're 2,400 years into this prophecy, and so if the first 483 years have been fulfilled, or, or 2,200 years, if, if they've already been fulfilled, now what's, what, where's the last seven? Okay, we're, uh, we're, we're waiting for the last seven. Look at verse 27. And he shall, this is the prince of the people who destroyed the city, the, the, the prince coming out of what I call the revised Roman Empire, he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week. Okay, and for half of the week, he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. Okay, and so in, in, in Daniel chapter 7, there's, there's a three and a half years stated. In Revelation 13, there's a three and a half years stated. Okay, there's a season of time, a time, times, and half of a time. It's laid out. And so what I'm, what I'm suggesting to you is that the first 483 years were literally fulfilled. There's a gap. We call this the church age. Okay? Because this prophecy is about the Jewish people and their times. So it's not really focused on the, the church. But we're, the, the way this is, I'm understanding this, and, and again, be humble about this. I might be totally wrong about this. You know, there's other believers, other good Christians, other, other men and women of God who, who interpret this more symbolically and not so literally. But I think there's a gap here. And, and then on the, 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 they're still waiting for the 70th week. In other words, the 70th week, biblically, is, is what we call the Great Tribulation. The Great Tribulation, it's, it's the time of the end when this man of lawlessness, uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse, I think it's calls him the Antichrist. The Antichrist will arise and the man of lawlessness will arise and for the first three and a half years he'll make a peace treaty. He'll make, he'll make peace with the nation of Israel. He'll make a strong covenant is what it says in verse 27 for seven years. 
So the, for, the first, for the first week, for the first half of the week, you know, world peace. Like, and, and it's kind of crazy right now how our, our economic system is so aligned, our, our monetary system, right, is, is so aligned, and how the world governments are, are <laughs> you know, un, un, uniting around COVID stuff. And, and uh, you just, you, you look at the, the uh, and again, for, for, for a lot of decades and a lot of time, uh, people have got predictions wrong. And so I certainly won't predict anything <laughs> about days or times. But man, uh, if we're in, if we're right before the 70th week with the digital age that we're in and, and mass communication can take place like that and, and, and money systems can be shut down like that, aren't we in a position in a place where if there was a, a, a union that arose and, and a world government that came about and a, and a world leader that everybody wanted to follow, wouldn't it set the table pretty well for something like this to happen? So the first half of the week, first three and a half years, uh, everything's going well, but then at the second half of the week, he's going to put an to religion, and that's where all hell breaks loose, as Revelation talks about. And, and we, we start getting down these lines, and the end of sacrifice, uh, the abominations on, on, uh, uh, the, of God's worship, you know, all kinds of terrible things happening. And, and, but what happens at the end? And the wing of the abomination shall come on who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. I can't believe, may, maybe in wrestling, I don't know if anybody's known as the desolator. But that might be an appropriate title if you're the bad guy. <clears throat> we, we, yeah, thank you for that. Um, uh, at the, 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 the 70th week, right? Uh, on the clock, if we're on the clock, I'd say we're, we're uh, right on the edge of the 70th week. If we're on the clock, the time is short and we need to get the word out. If we're on the clock, the time for people to enter the kingdom is now. If you're not yet in Jesus Christ, the time to enter the kingdom is now. If you haven't repented of your sins and turned to the Lord Jesus Christ, the time to enter the kingdom is now. If you haven't repented and turned to Him in faith and trusted Him with your life, the time to enter the kingdom is now. The doors are open. The arms are open wide. Jesus says, come. The Spirit says, come. The Father says, come. Come and be saved. Come and be healed. Come and be transformed. Come and be made new. Come and be born again. Become part of the kingdom of God. Uh, and the good news in this prophecy, it's, it's written in the context of Daniel. So we saw in Daniel 2, remember uh, the, the vision that Nebuchadnezzar had of the head of gold, the, the arms and chest of silver, the, the, the waist and thighs of bronze, and the, the, uh, the legs of iron, the, the feet of iron and clay. Remember what happened? Nebuchadnezzar was great. That he saw that vision. There was a rock that was cut out of the mountain, and it came and crushed that statue, all the human kingdoms. And that, that rock grew as a mountain and filled the whole earth. The reign of Jesus Christ is coming and it's going to fill the whole earth. Remember in Daniel 7, we saw the prophecies there of, of the lion, the, the, the twisted lion and the twisted bear and the twisted leopard and a beast that Daniel couldn't even describe. And then, then the, the, this little horn, this king grew up and, and he was a terrible king and he took control for three and a half years. You know, but then what happened? Daniel saw a vision of one like a son of man coming on the clouds of heaven. He went before the throne and he received all dominion and power and glory and strength. Right? The son of man is coming. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. And when he comes back, he will destroy the rebellion. He will destroy the evil. He will ruin all the evil of this world and he will bring in his kingdom forever. And you've got to be part of that. You've got to be part of that living in the kingdom of God. 
So to do that, to be part of that, you need to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Turn your life over to Him. Turn your life over to Him. Lead not on your own understanding, as, as Luke said earlier. Do not boast about yourself. Boast in the Lord Jesus Christ and what He has done. Put your life into His hands. Become a follower of Jesus Christ. Become a liver in Jesus Christ. He will save you. Anybody who calls on the name of the Lord, they will be saved. To those who receive Him, to those who believe in His name, He gives the right to become children of God. Cross over from death to life. Cross over from death to life. Come into the kingdom. Receive Jesus as your Savior. And be alive forevermore in the kingdom of God. Everlasting righteousness will be yours. If somebody here needs to talk about that with one of our deacons, they'll be down in front. If you need to pray a prayer today with one of our deacons or one of our pastors, we'll be down in front. Come to the Lord. You will never be disappointed. Church, would you please stand? Lord God Almighty, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for caring about us and loving us enough to give you us revelation of your plans and your purposes. Lord, we know the secret things belong to you, but the, the revealed things belong to us and our children. Lord God, we pray for the children this week that they would hear the gospel, that they would hear the gospel, that people would hear the truth of Jesus Christ about His death and His resurrection and about His coming kingdom, and they would give their lives to Him and turn their lives to Him. Lord God Almighty, thank You for this group here. We, we ask, Lord, that we would be a people living on purpose. We'd be living a as a people on purpose, as Your ambassadors, as your, as your servants, as Your witnesses, that this church would be, would be a church that is making disciples for You, Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, there's, there's, we know that there's a cost, there's a challenge, there's hardship in, in reaching out. Lord, as this church reaches out this, this coming month in, in Eagle Lake and VBS and Global Leadership Summit, we ask for, for a harvest, Lord. We ask for fruit. We ask, Lord, as, as we reach out, as we do our work, as we be your church on mission, that, Lord, lives would be changed and you would be glorified. Be blessed this day, Lord, by your church. Thank you for blessing us with your presence. Thank you for allowing us to worship you here today. Now, Lord, send us out. And we go in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people. And right now, he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.